creating babies is one of the most important things we do for our economy. Our economic system, our social security benefits, our Medicare benefits are done in part by having future citizens. So when we have population increases, we can afford things like social security and Medicare. When we have population decline, we lose those entitlement benefits in our economy. When I have a kid, I am creating a future taxpaying citizen. That future taxpaying citizen is also going to become either an employee or an employer. Somebody that you, you want to hire my kid. So you actually are invested in this person being like a unit of economic productivity. The better we school them, the better raise them, the more productivity they add to our economy. And when they are employed, they pay taxes into our system and they create wealth. So like by through the work that they do. So like you benefit from... From me creating taxpaying citizens. Hi, it's Kanika, and I'm back with another season of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast, where I interview parenting experts, global thought leaders, best selling authors, and trailblazing entrepreneurs on their incredible life stories, their mom sense and dad sense experiences, and the values and legacy they're passing on to their children. Hi, I'm Gabby Bernstein, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. It's me, Bobby Brown, on Total Mom Sense. Can't wait to share my story. Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. These episodes will inspire you to make every single day count. Episodes release every Thursday. Join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com, where you'll receive my free Parenting in a Pandemic guidebook, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. If you're a parent and you're an entrepreneur, you understand what it means to deal with challenges and pivot and iterate and go with the flow. Today, I am joined by the founder of the Startup Parent and the Startup Parent Podcast, Sarah Kathleen Peck. She is an award-winning podcast featuring women in entrepreneurship, business, and parenting. She runs the Wise Women's Council, an annual leadership program for women to come together honestly while navigating the challenges of working and parenting. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here. Sure. So what were you like as a child? And do you find that you're still this way as an adult and a parent? The things that I notice, like number one, I am observant. And I'm like in my head and I'm a big thinker. I'm a big question asker. And my five-year-old does this. He just stares off into space. And then he turns to me. He's like, mom, when a star dies, what happens? And what's it made out of? And are we going to get swallowed by black holes? And I'm like, kid, I love you. Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So weird. He's like a little hockey. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, he watches star movies all the time. So I'm just, I'm just, he also died recently and he goes, okay, so when they die, do they instantly turn into bones? And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, like I have to teach you about all this stuff. That's so hard. And like, (laughs) no. And how did you get that idea? And then I think I'm also, I'm also like really inventive and, and pretty, and a little bit weird. Like I love making things and I love starting things. And when I was a kid, I used to like tape paper on my face and like build all these construction projects and (laughs) like make all these contraptions. And I invented this like note passing system that like hooked under desks so we could pass notes without the teacher knowing. And I, I think when I was trying to be cool, when I was a teenager, I tried to get rid of that part of myself. And now I just, I'm just weird. 
So, oh my gosh, I'm here for it. That is so <laughs> cool. And then you get to just, you know, have your kids own it too, because you've been there. Yeah. We're just a bunch of science geeky nerds that like math and ask really strange questions and then stare out the window. Like this, you're just going to come into a family of introverted nerds over here. <laughs> oh, wow. And um, tell us how the startup parent was born. When I was starting the journey of startup parent, I was working at a tech company in Manhattan. We were a venture back startup. I got pregnant while I was there and it was so overwhelming and so hard for me. And I, I, I had that naive expectation, like I can plan things. I'm a little type A, I'm a little neurotic. I'm going to be able to make this work. Pregnancy won't be hard for me. I don't know why I thought that, but that's <laughs> kind of like, I was like, this won't be hard. I, you know, I'm an athlete in college. I can do things with my body. Um, Amazing. no, <laughs> that's yeah. not what happened. So I just, I was really surprised by how hard it was. And also when I looked around in tech, I didn't see a ton of people like me, at least not featured in the media, not featured in the news. Mm -hmm. Like there's just so many male entrepreneurs and young entrepreneurs. And it's like, where are the families? Where are the dads? Where are the moms? What I ended up doing was pitching a book to an agency in New York. And I said, start up pregnant. Like, I feel like there just aren't enough pregnant startup founders and startup workers out there. And they're like, oh, this is interesting. So I worked on a book proposal. In that book proposal, I said, why don't you go interview more women? Like, why don't you collect stories? And so I started interviewing mm. people and recording it. And then I was like, this is so silly. I have a newborn and I'm doing all these interviews and like, I should not be the only one that listens to it. But I couldn't, I didn't have it in me to start another project while I had a six month old at home and I was trying right. to write a book and do a business. Oh my goodness. So I looked for sponsors for the show and we ended up getting like $30,000 in sponsorships for the show. And I, I looked over to my husband and I said, honey, I gonna have to pay some taxes on this. I'm going to have to report. Like, I think <laughs> I need to do some paperwork. Like there's a business in here. And the podcast was the kind of the backbone of what then became a business that I started. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's so great. So what is the podcast focused on? So Startup Parent is about telling the untold stories of motherhood and entrepreneurship or the true stories, as I like to say, because mm -hmm. I think outside in the world, we have this kind of myth about what motherhood should be like. like and if you trace myth through and through, it's women are born to be mothers. Like you're going to enjoy, like it's easy to get pregnant. Everyone can get pregnant. Don't have sex teenagers. Pregnancy is going to happen right away. And you're going to love motherhood and you're going to quit your job. And, and there's just so many misleading, I think kind of half truths, if not full lies out there, because the truth is, is not everyone wants to become a parent. Not everyone enjoys motherhood and not everyone wants to stop working. And pregnancy is really hard for a lot of people and getting pregnant is not possible for everyone. Everyone. And so what I wanted to do was to just interview enough people that you could feel like you fit in, in this huge collection of stories and that you're not wrong. If you say, I don't want to do this this way, or this was really hard for me. So that's, that's the goal of the startup parent podcast. Oh, that's so great. And then do you kind of cater to those who have a startup or that's just a plan where 
Oh, that's good. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> it, we focus on entrepreneurial and executive moms. So people who have a career vision for themselves. And the reason that we focus on startups, but we have this expanded view is because so many people who create companies come from an executive background, come from a management background. So a lot of people, they have worked at Google for 15 years and they've got as high as they can go within that framework. And they have an idea and they want to then go off on their own and start it. Or they are working in a company for a number of years, or they've been a freelancer. There's just so many ways that you can be an entrepreneur. And it comes from so many different places that we end up having so many people listening that are like, well, I'm in a full-time job, but I also have the side project. So how do I yes. do that? Yes. So it's like, oh. you know, you niche down, but then, it, then you realize your listeners are like 20% of them are in, in true venture-backed startup I want to call it craziness, but it's a true venture back startup, go for it. But other people are small business owners or they're bootstrapped or they have a side hustle or they're dreaming about it and joining at some point. What advice do you have for these women who decided to walk away from corporate? You're not alone. It's this pandemic. It is, I mean, it, you said it out loud and I know it and I've read the news and I read it constantly and it still takes my breath away because it's so infuriating and disappointing and overwhelming. America hates moms. I'm sorry. And, mm -hmm. uh, but the, the, and, and I, I, it sounds so callous to say, and I think if you're not a parent, you're like, that's not true. But the way that we've set up this, our society in America is just so hard on mothers. and to give a couple of data points, like nowhere else in the world, are you going to get a $20,000 hospital bill for having a baby, but you are in America and you just don't know how much it'll be nowhere else in the world. Are you going to get a minimum of four to six weeks of unpaid leave, maybe 12 weeks, if you can scrape it by where you are recovering from major abdominal surgery or major um, healing that you have to do. And then at the end of those 12 weeks, your employer might fire you. And then you have this huge bill and you don't know what you're doing and you have no pelvic care support. And I don't want to scare people, but the systems that we have right now are broken. And I think the reason 5 million women are leaving the workforce is in part because work is totally broken and wasn't designed for working parents. You're not alone and there's nothing wrong with you. If you feel like you're broken down or you're angry or you're frustrated, it's because the system is enraging. And what can you do about it? I would say, I mean, this is the advice that we need right now. It's not the world that I want to live in in the future, but don't take anything for granted and don't assume that anyone is looking out for you. So take what you need and stand up for yourself and do your best to make it work. And if you are in the fortunate position of being able to take a longer leave or you have the ability to create new policies for other people coming after you, do it. Do the things that help more people get more care in this country. I think the last, like, little piece of advice is the news and, and social policies and politics, a lot of it is designed to make you angry because when you're angry, it, it'll eventually exhaust you. You'll get tired and people in power and people in the news, they, they want you there. They want you to give up. They want you to be tired. So I do this exercise with some of the folks in the Wise Women's Council, our leadership program, which is all about channeling your anger and finding that place in you where you can keep kind of like a, a pure white hot, but like container of anger where you know you can tap into it when you need it for the right purposes and not just let it spray out every day unchanneled. So channel your anger would be my last piece of advice. 
Mm, wow, that's so, so smart. And I think, you know, in this world where we are constantly going to battle to fight for rights we once had, or rights we want to have, how do you recommend us not giving up the good fight? Focus on your area of expertise, the thing that you want to change the most, and the place where you can make the most impact. And when you look at those three things, and for me, it's about parenting and policy. That's what I care so much about. And then where I can make the most impact. Social media is not the place where I'm going to make the most impact. So when I get really overwhelmed and I'm like, oh my goodness, I should be posting, you know, on this place and this place and this place. I say, no, channel your energy, focus on the cause and keep moving forward on the one thing that I can do in the place where I am best equipped to do it. And even if people, I have had people get angry at me because I'm not vocal enough on social media about so many different causes, but I know who I donate to and the work that I do and, and what I'm building. And that's the most important thing. Yes. Do you feel that, you know, the, the Marshall Plan for Moms would be an effective campaign to support mothers? Or do you think it would probably deter them from going back into their workforce having this cushion? I know it's a very polarizing kind of debate, but um, I, I can see both sides so clearly. And I'm a very middle road objective thinker. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on this. So it was launched by Reshma Sojani, who is the founder of Girls Who Code. And she felt that, you know, mothers are, because we're taking on so much invisible work and, you know, have trillions of dollars um, of unpaid labor, we should be getting subsidized for being at home and, and taking care of our kids because we are choosing not to be in the workforce to take care of our kids who, you know, will become the change makers of tomorrow. So are investing in, in them. We should be paid for that. I was just reading about some of the history of how we set up our economic system and how we measure work. And the men that were putting together our economic foundation, when they looked at, well, how are we going to measure like gross national output? Um, it was called GNP, but now it's GDP, gross domestic GDP gross domestic product, they literally asked themselves, oh, well, we've got to count the home labor. And then the response was, no, it's going to be too complicated to count the home labor. So we're not going to do it. So even when we were first doing the accounting work of like, how are we going to measure our national product and the work that we do? People thought about including the labor of mothers and then didn't include it. Mm. And I think that it doesn't matter how we account for it. What we're doing right now is wrong because we're not accounting for it. So in some way, some shape or some form, we are paying for this. And the people who are under the burden and the people who are paying are the mothers. How we're going to figure it out, I don't know. And I think it'll be messy. But as long as we're not accounting for it, we are building an economy that's a lie because we're building it on the backs of free labor. And the United States has a terrible history of building an economy on the backs of free labor, a yes. gross, horrible history of that. And I think that not everyone has woken up to the fact that creating babies is not this like idyllic family thing, but creating babies is one of the most important things we do for our economy. Our economic system, our social security benefits, our Medicare benefits are 
done in part by having future citizens. So when we have population increases, we can afford things like Social Security and Medicare. When we have population decline, we lose those entitlement benefits in our economy. So it's a real problem if birth rates decline. It is not made clear that when someone has a kid, whoever it is, so let's say it's my kid, when I have a kid, I am creating a future taxpaying citizen. That future taxpaying citizen is also going to become either an employee or an employer. Somebody that you, um, let's say you have kids, but you have run a business, you want to hire my kid. So you actually are invested in this person being like a unit of economic productivity. The better we school them, the better raise them, the more productivity they add to our economy. And when they are employed, they pay taxes into our system and they create wealth. So like by through the work that they do. So like you benefit from me creating taxpaying citizens. It's just, it's, it's something that's so hard to explain and it's not obvious at first, but it's not a, like you chose to have kids, you pay for them because my kids create so much benefit for people who don't have kids. I have never heard that perspective before. And I think it's brilliant. One of the biggest costs we have in healthcare is uh, directly related to whether or not we give prenatal care. The better prenatal care we give to women, that's one of the reasons why recently it's been made free by all healthcare companies. The, then we don't have lifetime of expenses that the healthcare companies are paying for. So when we take care of mothers, it pays off. And the last point I think that's related here is this new study that came out in New Jersey. It relates a lot to the conversation around paid leave that we're having right now in the federal administration. Let me see if I can explain this well. When mothers who want to keep working are given high quality childcare options and paid time off for having a kid, they return to the workforce sooner. Most mothers can't return to the workforce as quickly as they like because they don't have good childcare options or they're four back into the workforce, but they don't have enough time to recover and then they drop out of the workforce. When mothers are able to get back into the workforce, when mothers that want to work are able to get back into the workforce, and that's like 70% of working moms. So it's not a small percentage of people. When they get back into the workforce, they create so much economic revenue by being employees, by being entrepreneurs, by starting businesses. Those businesses pay taxes. Those employers pay taxes on their employees. The amount that they create in gross revenue is more than, is so much more than the cost of providing paid leave or providing universal high quality childcare. Which means when people say, I don't want to pay for your kids, it's literally not taking money from the economic system. It pays for itself. It's an investment. It is one Mm. of the only trickle down benefits that actually exists. Right, right. Wow. Wow. Anyway, this is the stuff that I really love thinking about. So you asked me, do you feel like the Marshall Plan for Moms will be an effective campaign? I think we have to value women's work. I think we have to value the work of the home. And I don't think that we should call it paying moms necessarily, but I do think we should have a way to account for that labor. And I do think we should have a way to invest in mothers and we should invest in children and we should invest in high quality prenatal, postnatal and um, care and, and uh, childcare. Absolutely. Um, how did just the childcare crisis affect you? Uh-huh. It was awful. Um, yeah. 
I cried like every day and I still am going through some like PTSD there. Like I have a, a lot of therapy work that I'm doing, but we were in New York city in the heart of New York city, right? When the pandemic hit, we were locked in our house for 40 days and we didn't leave. Cause I have a pre-existing condition that makes me really susceptible to lung infections and lung conditions. So this virus terrified me. Yeah. Um, so we stayed home. We had no childcare for eight months and no family around. So I worked from four to eight on my business and my husband worked from like eight to 12. And then we switched four hours, four hours, four hours. We did 16 to 18 hour days for eight months. We tried to take our kids outside every day. And we had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. They're three and five now. I think I got through 2020 on pure adrenaline. And then the early 2021 hit and like the burnout started to come in. I, I, thinking was harder. I, you know, I, I went through, I have a history of depression and anxiety and it really came back in a big way. And so I worked with a psychiatrist and a therapist and I was like, yo, I am thinking things that I have not thought in 20 years. Like I am, my brain is like, we need all the, like all hands on deck here. Like I can't mm. run a business and I can't be a parent if I'm not okay. And I really had to get a lot of help. I think there's a lot of grief too. I didn't get to enjoy some of the time with my kids. I feel like it was taken from me because I couldn't see straight. So like, I'm still really sad and really angry and, and I'm figuring out what to do with it. Wow. Thank you for being so honest. And I think that that's what makes you so authentic because, you know, you are building your company and you're raising your family and managing your household. You're the CEO of that along with, you know, the startup parent. And that's no easy feat. And I think, you know, we all have to give ourselves that grace to keep going because, you know, we're really under the most difficult of circumstances right now. Yeah. It's so, thanks for saying that. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to tell people about it now because I, I'm in a place where I'm able to talk about it, but going through it was a lot harder. I also am really so much kinder to myself now. Like mm. there are days when I get to two or three and I'm like, that's it. We're done. Like we're done. Like I'm going to lie down. And there are other days where every 90 minutes I lie down for 20 minutes because that's how I make it through the day. I think I used to be a person that would have beat myself up for that. I would have said like, come on, work harder, hustle, push, you know, like really make it through. And I don't take that on. I like, there's just so much stuff in the world and so much responsibility and so many things that mothers are managing that like, it's, if this is how I'm going to get through the next couple of years, that's okay. Yes, absolutely. Now tell us about your events and I'm sure you've had to pivot with doing virtual and now maybe back to live with the Wise Women's Council. There's three events. One is Parent Talk, which we're launching next year. And that's a four week a short guided storytelling session where we pair you up with other parents virtually and we give you storytelling prompts like tell us about the pandemic or did you become a parent in the pandemic or what surprised you about parenting? So we give you prompts so you can share your parenting stories with other parents and we have really strong guidelines for how we talk to each other so that people can feel safe and seen and supported and trust each other. We're not allowed to give advice. You're not allowed to comment on anyone's stories and you're not allowed to share anyone's stories outside of the circle. So those are our rules. Then the Wise Women's Council is the long one. It's nine months long. We have a leadership incubator and it's for driven, ambitious career women who are, they're like, you've got 30, 40, 50 years of things you want to make in the world and you want to figure out how to have a family. And so I bring people together for 
it's one of my favorite places in the world. The people who are in it are just like, I didn't even know that I needed this and I needed this more than I ever knew. It was one of the hardest things that I've pulled off in the middle of a pandemic. And I may have taken on more than I could chew, but I hired a chef. We hired a massage therapist. We were in this luxurious Airbnb that had a hot tub and hammocks and like a forest views. And my pitch to moms was, you don't have to think about anything. I'm going to overthink all of it. And I'm going to take care of all of the details. And you just get to come and Basically, it's like preschool. Come and you're going to have <laughs> meals delivered five times a day. You're going to have nap time. There's going to be coloring books. Like there's going to be playtime. Like I'm just going to make you an event where you get to relax and hang out in the hot tub with other awesome women. That is so cool. Oh my goodness. Um, and so this is going to be in March of this year. Tell so us more. we did it in October. Next year, I would like to do two. And someone asked me, like, why not a winter one as well? My goal is April or May and then September or October. So kind of spring and then fall. I think summer is really hard for parents because there's so many different moving pieces in the summer, but kind of spring and fall. Um, but I people have asked me to make one in January or February. I do not think that I can pull that off as of yet, but maybe in 2023. So is there a moment that you can share where you trusted your mom's sense? I think that there was a turning moment for me when my kid was around, my first kid was around three and he was telling me something. He goes, look, mom, a star. And I like, I swore I looked all around and I looked everywhere and I was like, there is no star here. Like I just, I couldn't see what he was seeing, but I looked at my husband and I said, I'm sure it's there. Like, I'm sure it's there. I don't think he's like, I don't think he's making it up. I just can't see it. And to me, that was the moment when I, I was like, trust your kid. Like he's telling you stuff, listen. Mm. And then later on, it took me a couple hours. I found it. It was like on the top of a highlights magazine in the background. It was like worse than where's Waldo. Like I never would have wow. seen it. Wow. And I, thought, I was like, oh, there is a star there. He wasn't wrong. And so later on, he sleeps really well through the night. And there was this moment when he was crying and he would get up and he would be screaming. And I, I looked at None of the parenting sleep training books have taught me. I was like, do I just leave him alone? Like, what do I do? And I looked at my husband. I was like, I think we just got to trust him. Like, he's telling us something. Let's trust him. And it was a week or two of hanging out with him and terrible sleep. But I'm really glad I trusted him because he is actually telling me a whole lot. It's me that has to learn how to listen. Exactly. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Is there a quote that you live by? One of our quotes uh, that's the backbone of Startup Parent is we don't have to do things the way they've always been done. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the ethos of being at a startup, right? We're here to invent new things. We're here to try new things. And then that combined with parenting, like, hey, we don't have to do this the way that everyone else is telling us. Let's look around. Let's collect all this data. Let's listen to all these stories. And also, if my gut is telling me that, I feel horribly alone living in a two-parent, two-kid household and that I need to live with more people, my gut might not be wrong. I may need to live with more people because that's what is best for me and my humans. It's now time for Mom Hall when we share products we love. So is there a product that you've been using for a while or you've recently discovered it could be in, you know, parenting, lifestyle, uh, wellness, anything that you're loving right now. 
a long time ago, we didn't use that much tech with our kids because we were like, oh, they'll learn it later. And then the pandemic came and we gave them as much screen time as they could possibly gather because, you know, see not having childcare for eight months, like it was mm-hmm. the only way we made it through. Yeah. And so now we're in that murky phase of like, wow, my kids use so many iPads and what do we do from here? But I will say, I just got this email and my kid has been playing this math game on his iPad. And they gave us this email report and it was like, your kid completed 755 math problems last month. And I was like, what? Like, wow, amazing. Right. And I was like, okay, it's not all bad. And and here's here's the, like, it's kind of a product, but we downloaded Khan Academy and, but my kid can't read and they don't have the, they don't play like he can't read the instructions. Yeah. But if yeah, you yeah. go into the accessibility settings, there is a setting that will read out loud and it puts a little play button on your app. So he now pushes play on and he can listen to them talk about different puzzles. And so he's able to solve the puzzles because he uses the accessibility setting. Oh my God. That's so smart. And he found it on his own. No, we set up the accessibility stuff. Okay, okay, yeah. No, <laughs> no, 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 he's just, you know, he's five and a half and he's not reading yet. It's going to be a while, but like, yeah. he really, he likes to solve the puzzles. But if somebody reads them to him, and I mean, this is my parenting hack of like, I would get really tired of sitting there reading him 755. Of course, of course. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And it just, he needed some autonomy and you helped set that up. Yeah. Wow. So the apps out there are pretty cool. There's like a, this is a terrible name, but it's actually a great app. Prodigy okay. is that we love because it's like, it's got video game qualities, but it it goes through learning puzzles. And then like, I don't know, this unicorn gets a star if you get the problem, right? The PBS Kids app and the Khan Academy. There's so much good stuff, like way better than our childhood. There's so much good stuff out there that I've kind of changed my tune on, on the iPads and the, the tablets. And lastly, where can we find you? Yeah, so I have a podcast. It's called Startup Parents. And we also have a newsletter. I send it out most Fridays, but not every Friday because some Fridays, you know, like if you're a working mom, you know, (laughs) but most Fridays. So startupparent.com and you can go to slash podcast to find the podcast slash newsletter to sign up for a newsletter. And you'll see Parent Talk and the Wise Women's Council right there in our navigation menu because those are coming up soon. Thank you, Sarah. This was so great. Is there anything that I left out that you want to share? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I'm I'm a huge nerd, as as is evidenced by this. So I record every book that I read um, on my own website, sarahkpeck.com. And I always have a reading list up there for for the nerdy things that I find because you will you will find me with books for the rest of my life. Thank you, Sarah Peck, for the lovely interview and allowing us to dig deep on some really hard-hitting topics. I think it's important to talk about the hard things because that's the only way we're going to be able to broaden our perspective and grasp what we believe and what others believe and how we want to incite change. If you're not already, join the Startup Parent and subscribe to Sarah's The Startup Parent Podcast. I was happy to be a guest on her show, so you can check out that interview where I'm in the hot seat. And while you're at it, something that all podcasters plead with our guests is to rate and review. It really helps us come up the ranks when searching for podcasts, and mine is in the kids and family category. 
So if you feel that that subtle mom sense is helping you in any way and you want to share it with the world, I would so appreciate that review and rating from you. You can go on Apple Podcasts where it's a really easy platform to do it or Spotify, Stitcher, Good Pods, wherever you are a loyal listener. If you'd like to write to me, my email address is thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. Remember, always trust your mom sense and your dad sense. Stay strong, super parents and startup parents. We will see you next time. That's total mom sense.